1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From the WEEI Studios. Brought to
2: you by DuckDuckGo. Privacy Simplified.
1: The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. An Odyssey station. Time now for the Brian Barrett Show on WEI. All right,
3: welcome in. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, welcome in. Um, I'm not Brian Barrett. My name is Mark Dundaro. I'm filling in for Brian or Brad Foe or whatever show this is right now. Happy to be with you. A lot to get to today with uh, a few things on the table, a few things I want to get to. Um, Love my man, BB. Where's he at? Is he at Fenway right now? I think he's in the back sleeping, to be honest, okay. Mark. Okay, yeah. that's fine. I'll go wake him up later. Um, Okay. You know, I was going to open the show talking Red Sox. Um, And we're going to get a little... We'll get into the Red Sox as they get set for their game tonight against the Yankees. A big series as they try to go into the All-Star break on a high note. Um, after July to this point hasn't been too high for the Red Sox, despite a great June. But I, I just, you know, and I'm on with KJ in the morning. We're going to talk about this in the morning a little bit. But I need to say something about the, I need to respond to what LeBron James said, whenever that was, yesterday, two days ago, when it appeared on The Shop, okay, his show, his HBO show, Showtime show, I don't know what it's on. Okay, but obviously we have the sound, we, we, we've we heard the sound, um, where he called Boston a racist city and to use some colorful language. says, do we have that sound? If we could play that sound when sure. you got that ready. I just want everybody to hear the sound that I'll be reacting to. In basketball, are there fans that you go play a way that they can literally take the game from? You You
1: can feel like, damn, the fans is not going to let us win this one tonight. Yes, I mean, I mean, I mean, Boston. Boston,
0: yeah. Why, why, do, you, why do you hate Boston? Because <laughs> they're racist as f- That's yeah, why. They will, say, they will say anything, and it's fine. I mean, f- my life. I mean, f- I've been dealing it.
3: with my whole life. I don't mind it. Like, I hear it. Like, if I hear somebody, like, close by, I check them real quick. I move on to the game, whatever the f***. They're going to say whatever the f*** they want to say. They might throw
0: something on you. I mean, I got a beer thrown on me leaving the game. You know, like,
1: is, I mean, yeah, it's Boston. It's is, the only place in the NBA in America you go yeah, and they have, like, shirts that say, like, f*** LeBron. Yeah, like, it was like, it was whole like,
0: a, it was like a like f- LBJ t-shirt. <laughs> I believe they probably sold it at the f- team they, shop. No, they sold it outside the arena. No, they, they do- <laughs> sold it at the team <laughs> shop. I hope Celtics has
1: something to do with that
3: Okay. So that's LeBron James on the shop. Now, LeBron James, I have a lot of respect for LeBron James. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good man. Okay, I think he, despite all the pressure that he had on himself as he came out of high school, he was such a uh, an icon, such a prodigy. You know, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders as an 18-year-old kid. I think he's handled it famously. Good guy. Family man. Does a lot for the community and all those things. Great player, obviously. Doesn't even need to be said. But LeBron James simply has to be more responsible with his comments, okay? Because first of all, now I'm going to tell you what was going on with that series, with that uh, scenario there and that situation on the shop, okay? They had Marcus Rashford on that show, okay? Now, if you don't know who Marcus Rashford is, he's, he's uh, a soccer player from Manchester United, okay? And he was talking about some of the real racism that he faces, okay, over there. I don't know what LeBron James, in terms of racism, has or hasn't faced in Boston. I have no idea. I'm not going to say he hasn't faced racism in Boston. I have no idea. But what I think happened was LeBron James, while trying to appease Rashford in the comments he was making, just sort of off the cuff, through Boston, I don't want to say under the bus, but made the comment without actually thinking it through. You know, And it's not just that. It's the way he said it and how he brought it up. Boston is racist as bleep, okay, and laughed and tried laughing it off, okay? You're LeBron James. You have one of the biggest platforms in the world. There are so many people out there that listen to what you say. What you say matters, whether you like it or not. What you say, especially in a public forum like a show like that, It matters. People listen to you. People care about what you say. You cannot, especially if you are not going to just come with specific examples that you can offer. You have to be more measured with how you make comments and how you approach very serious topics. You have to do that. I'm not even going to bring up the fact that he's part owner of the Boston Red Sox. It's not even important right now. Okay? I've heard other athletes talk about this before, okay? I'm going to talk about Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown. Now, we all know Jalen Brown's a smart guy. But Jalen Brown has talked about the racism and the issues associated with racism in Boston before. And the way he did it is how it's supposed to be done. Now, I get he plays here. And he probably, you know, he lives here. So he's part of this community. And LeBron James isn't. But as a leader you know, as one of the most famous people in the world and as an American, without being overly dramatic, LeBron James has to be better and has to be more calculated in, in what he says. You can't, I mean, you just, there are people, kids, that listen to what LeBron James says who are now going to think forevermore that Boston is a racist city, whether it is or isn't, whether they have experienced that or not. I mean, you. that's the reality. You cannot come with that, and I believe We'll have to check this or we can go back and look. I think as of a few years ago, LeBron publicly said he's never really experienced racism in Boston. Whether or not that changed or whatever, that's a separate discussion. But you have to, if you're going to bring it up, okay, you cannot bring it up in such a casual way. You have to bring it up, if you're LeBron James, in a more measured way. In a way that maybe could help the situation like Jalen Brown did. Where Brown talked about how these things exist. We need to be better, and we need to work together to find ways to fix it. That's what a leader does. That's what's supposed to happen. I'm sorry, LeBron. You're the most famous athlete, arguably, in the entire world. People listen and care about what you say. That comment is not helping the issues that this country is facing. It's not helping. Okay? You're just brushing Boston with a broad brush, and I don't know. Did you experience specific racism or not? I I mean— if you did and you want to have a conversation about it, you have a conversation about it. But you can't just, in order to make Marcus Rashford laugh or chuckle or whatever, come with that kind of comment, put that explosive statement on the record, and bring no evidence or no more depth to what you said. Because it matters. It absolutely matters. And what you, I, I mean, what we are as a country right now, isn't. we're not in a good place. It's not where we want to be. And comments like that do not help. They do not help. They fuel the fire. Now, I'm not saying that there's not racism in Boston. I'm not saying there's not things that need to be cleaned up. There are. But talking about it like that from that guy, that's not going to help. That is only going to further things that's going to make people more ornery about it, more, you know, it's just going to add fuel to the fire that is already there. And as LeBron James, you've got to be more measured. There are other athletes out there that have big platforms that are more measured with their comments. Tom Brady. He understands what he says gets taken seriously and means something to a hell of a lot of people. Tiger Woods. What he says means something. He understands... That You you have to be careful with what you say, and I just think LeBron was reckless, and I think he was irresponsible with making a comment like that, in that way, in that setting. You want to have the conversation? That's fine. Maybe you have experienced racism in Boston. That's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but I'm saying that's fine if you want to talk about it. You've got to be more responsible, though, with how you bring it up. You're LeBron James. That quote, I mean, you're going to, that quote it will be attached to you for the rest of your life. He probably, you know, he doesn't care, but that, I mean, you're going to, that's something, that was an explosive thing to say without any evidence to back up what you were talking about. None. I didn't hear him say anything. I didn't hear him outline an example of how it happened. People were yelling. And don't talk to me about Fu shirts. What the hell is that? It's not racist. Sure. That's, I guess the fans being mean. But, like, they do it to white people because you are one of the best players in the world. That's why. I mean, that had nothing to do with racism. I didn't even want to talk about this, but, I mean, that's the reality of those comments. And if I'm an athlete in Boston, I would love to see this used as an opportunity to speak up and say something. You know? Say something, whether it's good or bad. Let's outline our experiences. Let's, if we're going to bring it up, I mean, the the biggest name in sports arguably brought it up. If it's going to be brought up by him, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's let's have some of the athletes here talk about some of their good and bad experiences. I want to hear about both because that should be what happens. I mean, especially some of the athletes who live here, who have found a home here, who are beloved by the fans here. Why don't you come out in association with what LeBron said and talk about some of your experiences? If they're good, we'll highlight that so people know what Boston is. If they're bad, we'll highlight that. But do it in a a productive way, in a way that can help fix things. And you're not just throwing it out there meaninglessly. It's a serious topic. It's a serious issue. You can't just throw it out there with nothing to back it up and for no reason. If you're going to bring it up, LeBron James, you be prepared to talk about it in a real way. That's what I think. It's a serious issue. So, 617-779-7937 is the phone number if you want to talk about that. We can talk about that. Um, You know, this happened before with LeBron James and the police. And one of the police chiefs, I forget from where, you know, clapped back at him. He was like, you have no idea what it's like to go into a a situation where somebody's wielding a gun and you don't know if they're going to shoot at you or you're going to die. I mean, I'm just saying you got to be more measured with your comments if you're LeBron James. That's the life you live. And he's done a great job living that life. You know, living the life of this prodigy who had all these expectations and all this fame. By and large, he's done a great job. But... When he does something like this, you got to make a, I got to comment on it because that was an irresponsible way. And I'm biased. I'm from here. You know, I'm from here and I know there's issues and I know we need to fix them. And I know the world's in a messed up place and I don't want to talk about this anymore, but that's what it was. That's what my take is on LeBron James comments. You're LeBron James. You've got to be more measured with what you say. Your comments mean things and people take them very seriously. There are a lot of people out there who will now think, young people probably in particular, that Boston is forever more a racist city regardless of whatever their experiences are. You've got to be more calculated with your comments if you're LeBron James because of the level of star and because of the platform that he has. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk about the Red Sox. i got a few other things I want to get to. The Patriots, um, some different things associated with Mac Jones, and even a Tom Brady thought in association with Tiger Woods. We're going to get into all that. Uh, your calls are welcome. Uh, I'm Mark Dundaro in for Brian Barrett or Rob Bradford. The
2: Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now,
1: here's what's trending on WEI.
3: Trending now on WEI and WEI.com. Nathan Avaldi made his return to the Sox rotation and went four and one-third innings, giving up six hits and three runs while striking out four. The Sox smashed three home runs, including Raphael Devers with his 21st. Xander Bogart scored the winning run in the 11th on a wild pitch. A dirt ball read, mind you. It was a great play by Bogey. And the Red Sox beat the Yankees 5-4. The Sox play game two uh, in their series against the Yankees tonight. Nick Pavetta gets the start opposite James Tallion. Joe Castig, Sean McDonough, and Will Fleming have the call with first pitch at seven fifteen across the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's and Star Market, perfecting the art of fresh. Be sure to tune in to the Visit Massachusetts pregame show with Brian Barrett at 6.15. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism. Start your Massachusetts summer adventure at visitma.com. Cameron Smith, he was in the lead, not so much anymore. Rory McIlroy was leading the Open Championship as they are finishing up, or just finished up the third round at St. Andrews. And if you didn't already know, Tiger Woods missed the cut. He went home early for the weekend. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com.
1: Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is The Brian Barrett Show on WEI. And we go be our.
3: All right, welcome back to the Brian Barrett Show. BB will be on at six fifty. Will he be on at 6.15, sis? He shall, yes. yes. 6.15, BB. Get you set for Sox Yanks. Um, you know, big win last night. Big win last night. I thought they were going to lose. Um, when Tanner Howe came out there in the ninth, first pitch was a disaster. Then he had the bases loaded. Nobody out. I, I was sure they were going to lose. Tie game. Um, let me just say this, first of all, okay? This has to be said. Without getting too inside baseball here, um, 779 7 if you want to jump in. What Xander Bogarts did at the end of that game was just flat-out awesome, okay? The dirt ball read he executed, and he talked about this. Brad Foe had it on his column on WEI.com. He had the quote there where basically Bogarts was saying he was expecting a dirt ball. He gets it and he was ready to go. Okay, and that's what won the Red Sox the game. If more major league teams operated every game in every inning with that type of urgency as base runners, I know we'll never get the stat. Um I know we'll never see the stat because you know, it's just a situation where they probably don't keep those stats. But I'd love to know the stat. If somebody was going to, you know, play that way all the time, a major league team, they were going to play that way where every time there was a dirt ball, they executed a dirt ball read. How many more wins teams would have? Because I've watched a lot of baseball games. I've seen it in extra innings games. You know, this is going back before the rule where the guy was on second to start the extra frame. I've seen it in extra inning games where you have a guy on first. You know, sometimes the home team will have a guy on first. That's a winning run. And a ball bounces in front of the catcher, goes a couple feet in front of them or to the side or whatever, and you just, the runner stays. The runner does not advance because they weren't expecting the dirt ball read like Xander Bogarts did last night. I mean, it's such an underutilized tool and weapon in baseball. All it takes is a mentality to be put in place. If you can do that, I mean, I would love to see it. It won the Red Sox a game last night because Xander Bogarts, usually you would go when the ball is in front, is behind the catcher. And that was a great way to see that game end because that was just a hustle play by one of your best players, the leaders, doing what a leader does, finding a way to get the win and finding a way to set the tone for what that team, what the mentality on that team needs to be. So a big win for the Red Sox. Obviously, they had to have it because if they had lost, that would have been, what, nine out of 11 they lost with the All-Star break looming. And now they've got... Uh, you know, it's a clogged-up wild-card race featuring, in part, none other than the Baltimore Orioles. Where did they come from? The Baltimore. Now, I don't expect them to to maintain this level of play. I obviously think they're going to drop off and they'll sort of fade back. But, as of now, they're here. Okay? And this series is also important for the Red Sox, especially after what happened in Tampa. Because they have just... I'm just so sick of their numbers against the American League East. I'm sick of it. It's disgusting. It's pathetic. That's not a symptom of a team that's going to do anything noteworthy come postseason time. It's not. When you get dominated by your division, that's a joke. Not even close. These games against the Yankees are big. Now they got to follow it up. I didn't get the – feel like, last night was a big win. Okay, last night was a big win. But it didn't feel like, to me – I mean, everybody remembers this. You know, July 24th, 2004, Bill Miller, Mariano Rivera, the fight – the win an extra like that it it wasn't that but it was a big win based on where you uh what you were doing the last week based on where you are in the standings in the wild card based on how that game looked in the ninth inning with the game tied after you had already blown the save game tied bases loaded nobody out credit the Red Sox for getting out of that jam and getting the win But you've got to follow it up. You can't lose the next two games. Then it's meaningless and nobody will remember it. You've got to get the win. You've got to find a way today to continue doing what you're doing. And your big guys have to continue to step up. Devers, J.D. Martinez had a couple couple hits last night. I thought he was going to drive in that run in the 10th, but they didn't uh, probably would have been out. I didn't think Jackie Bradley Jr. was running all that hard, but maybe he knew he wasn't going to get sent. But, you know. Make a make a play, I guess. Um, look, here's the deal. The Open Championship's going on. I'm a big golf guy. Um, it feels like the way, with analytics and the way High and Bloom runs this team, you know, it's a lot of, like, bogey golf, if you know what I mean. Like, bogeys in golf aren't bad, but they're not good either necessarily, especially if you're a pro, but it's a different story. As an amateur, If, if they're not bad. High and Bloom and the Red Sox, with all the analytics and how they manage the team, It feels like they play a lot of bogey golf, where it's okay, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. But in order to have a good round, a.k.a. a good season, you need to supplement the bogeys with pars and birdies. Okay, so the Red Sox don't have time to lose 9 of 11 or 8 of 10. Because, especially with how the season started, you know, you were already playing bogey golf. If you supplement the bogeys with really bad holes, double and triple bogeys, well, then you're going to have a really bad round, really bad season, and that's going to be that. They have to supplement what they've done to this point with great play. That's obvious. But they don't have any margin for error like maybe they did last year. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stiz. I don't know if you remember. Did they go out and have a good – last year they had a good start to the year, right? Build up a little bit of a lead, then had the lull around the trade deadline. Okay. Obviously a different situation this year. No room for error. They had a bad start to the year, got into a hole – the division is over. They're fighting for the wild card. You have to keep going. You know, you have to keep winning. You have to keep playing well. You know. And I'm almost now, depending on how the rest of this series goes, I'm disappointed. Um, maybe that the all-star break is looming because if they play well in New York, you'd like for them to keep it going. Um But we'll see, they gotta keep going tonight. Brian Barrett will get you set for that game at six fifteen. And then there was this. Um, you know, I, I don't want to be too negative here. But enjoy enjoy Xander Bogarts and Raphael Devers while you can. I, I guess I'll just say that. Enjoy Rafi Devers and Xander Bogarts while you can. Because if you didn't see it, um, Juan Soto today I believe turned down, what was it, a 15-year, $440 million deal with the Nationals? A team, by the way, he won a World Series with. Led them, arguably, to a World Series win. 15 years, $440 million. That's a commitment. Now, maybe Soto just doesn't want to be in Washington. I don't know why. You've won there. They've proven they can win. It's a major market. You know, they, are, they aren't they are good every year, but you've proven you can win there. I, you know, I can't imagine if Juan Soto turned down that offer, how on this earth, first, Xander Bogarts and Raffi Devers are going to even get an offer close to that from the Red Sox. And second, whatever offer they do get, that they would accept. If precedents like that with Soto are being set, especially with Devers, who's younger and, and arguably right there in terms of being a as good of a hitter as Soto, that's probably a good argument. Because he's going to command so much money. The market is being set and the bar is being set so high. I don't see how the Red Sox are going to keep either guy. Bogarts is a different situation. He wants to get paid, though. He already took a team-friendly deal. Both are gone. They're, I, I mean, both are going to be gone. I I just don't see a situation or scenario unfolding where Haim Bloom offers and, the, and those guys accept whatever he would offer. I, I just can't imagine it happening. They're both gone. Get your arms around it. Because I'm telling you right now, Haim Bloom isn't sitting there panicking and saying to himself like I'm saying. Uh, right or wrong, well, we got to do something big this year because after this year, you're going to lose this guy and that guy, and you're going to have to replace all these players. He's not sitting there thinking that. He's sitting there thinking, all right, we're going to lose this guy. We're going to lose that guy eventually, but I'll replace them in the aggregate or whatever you want to say. Now, whether he's right or wrong, he's probably going to be wrong if that's what he tries to do. But I'm just telling you what I think he's thinking. He respects their game, but I do not think he thinks that they're worth that much money, and they're not. They're worth some, you know, they're worth an offer, but they're not worth that much money, and I don't think he thinks they're worth that much money, and I think he thinks he can replace them. So I think all those guys are going to be in different uniforms, or all those guys, I mean Devers and I mean Bogarts. I think they're going to be in different uniforms, and they will be playing their last games with the Red Sox. By the time their contracts are up, they're not going to get re signed, they're not going to be here anymore. 15 years, $440 million, and Soto turned it down, a team he won a World Series with. That's, if that's going to be the trend, I, I don't know how high and Bloom is going to live in that world here. It just doesn't seem like he wants to live in that world. 617 779 I mean, I would still, I, I'm obviously offering, I'm making the offers, but no baseball player is worth $440 million. No baseball player in the world is worth that much money. None. She- Shohei Ohtani is the best player in the game. Mike Trout is the best player in the game. You can make the argument. They're two of the all-time greats. Ohtani might be the greatest all time. One of the greatest of all time when he's done. The Angels suck and blow, and they can't come close to anything relevant in terms of a World Series or anything of, of the sort. Not even close. Not even a, a sniff with two of the greatest players to ever play the game on the roster. And one of them hits and pitches. It's not like they got no pitching. He does both. Nobody's worth $440 million. Not nobody. Nada. I don't care what the reason is. That Soto wouldn't commit to the Nationals. It's just that's just a crazy uh the, the guys just not worth that money. He's a great hitter. Not worth that money. Um you know, we'll see here what the Red Sox are able to do. I'm still like I'm still a high and bloom guy despite that conversation we or the words I just spoke. I just think this year you know, there's a lot of teams that are up-and-coming, that could give a team like the Red Sox problems. You know, the Mariners are an up-and-coming team with young pitching, young players. I mean, I wish the Red Sox had some of that young pitching. I wish the Red Sox had a 21-year-old stud that people across the country were talking about in terms of a pitcher. You know, they need guys like that. I just the, The Mariners are tough. The Rays, obviously, are tough. And there are going to be teams that the Red Sox, a team that you know, you're really getting your tails kicked by the own your own division opponents. And that's not a good sign. That's not a good. That's not the type of team that does anything in the playoffs. Getting your just ass kicked by your own division. So I don't really love the prospect of what the Red Sox are going to be able to do until I see that turnaround. That is why this series is huge. And what the Red Sox can accomplish here would be significant. You know, the Yankees have have dominated. Obviously, their lead in the division is it, whatever. It is what it is. But this is a team that I'm not convinced is built to win in the postseason. And if the Red Sox can get there, that might be all it takes. Okay, they've had some good games. You know, obviously they've played close games with the Yankees. But it's just, you have an opportunity to keep, I mean, you don't have to panic. Keep it going, stay the course, and keep beating the Yankees, and you're going to be okay. That's all it is. Could the Red Sox ever trade for Juan Soto? I mean, I you wanted me to sit here and tell you I'd love to see it? Yes, I'd love to see it. They'll never pay him $440 million. They'll never go that high on a contract, I don't believe. But I would love to see it. And Rafi Devers' contract is done after next year. That That's why I just I think Devers is gone. Devers is going to look for the type of money that Soto gets. And he's just never going to get it here. He's never going to get it here. You could look for $500 million. Half a billion dollars. Not to mention the fact that Juan Soto could end up in, in, the, in a Yankees uniform, which obviously wouldn't be a great scenario. But to tell you the truth, I don't know. I'm going to say this about this this world we're living in in terms of the, the Red Sox and Major League Baseball. Juan Soto, a guy like Juan Soto, okay, going to the Yankees doesn't scare me now the way it would have a long time ago. Juan Soto, if he ever did end up in New York, trade, they signed him. He didn't want to stay in Washington. They signed Whatever. It just doesn't scare me the way it would have in 2003. I, I, I just think the game has changed. I think the game has changed to the point where the analytics – Level off some of the superstars and some of the teams with the bigger, higher-end rosters. I don't know why or how. I I mean, you'd have to go into the weeds with the statistics. Maybe BB can do that for you. I mean, it just doesn't feel like loading up with a bunch of all-star players necessarily means you're going to just have a dynasty. I mean, the Dodgers have been doing this for years. They've been doing this. For the last five to seven years, they've been just loading up every big name that comes on the block, every big name that's available, they've signed. Maybe Soto goes there. They've won one World Series, and it was during a pandemic. Now, I'm not discrediting them, but it's not like they're winning four out of five. They're always in it. I'll give them that. They're always right there. But I just think with the way that they manage baseball now and all of the the advanced – Sabermetrics and stats and analytics. Just having a team full of all-stars, superstars, MVP guys doesn't do it. There are too many matchups. There's too many uh, scouting reports out there and stats that that allow you to shift. Just ways to get guys out that weren't available 10, 15, 20 years ago. I do think it's more of, uh, like, I I think you can win a World Series with B guys and B B plus to A pitching. I still think you need the pitchers to perform. I think you need a bullpen. But you also need depth. And I don't think you need the superstars like you used to. Obviously, it still helps. Like, if the Yankees paid Soto $400 million, it just doesn't hit like it did in 2004 or 2001 or something like that. Different time. Different game, different era of baseball. We'll see. Um, All right. When we get back, I want to talk about, I want to go to football and the Patriots and some of the things associated with uh, what's going to happen this year. And answer this for me. What is going on and why do I feel like there's just a lack of buzz associated with the Patriots right now? What's that about, and should I be concerned with that fact? We'll be back. This is The Brian Barrett Show on WEI.
1: Now, more of The Brian Barrett Show on WEI. I need it to hang You gave me something that I All
3: right, back here on The Brian Barrett Show. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. BB will, uh, will be with you at 615 Getting yourself a Red Sox-Yankees. Hour and a half from now. Um, yeah, there's no way that Raphael Devers or Xander Bogarts will be here after next year. They'll both they'll be, they'll be gone. So gone. I mean, there's no way they're going to offer them the money that they're going to command. No way. I'd be shocked. Shocked. Um, I'd be shocked. And before we get to the Patriots, I just want to comment on one thing that David Ortiz said this week. And I take, I, I mean, I agree with him to a point. I think there is something to be said for guys that can play in Boston. And I don't know how much High and Bloom is factoring that in. Um, And I don't think it's the biggest deal. You know, I don't think it's something that needs to be absolutely uh, overanalyzed or You know, it needs to be on the forefront of conversations. But I do think that is a thing. You know, we've had guys, guys have come here, big-name guys, that had a lot of success that just couldn't play here. They didn't do well here um, for whatever reason. So, I, you know, that's something to consider because Devers and Bogarts have proven they can play here. But I just don't think that that's going to be something that, High and Bloom is going to prioritize. I think he's going to figure, I think he's going to believe that he will be able to replace them when they leave and that he'll find guys that fit the mold and can do the job. I don't think that's going to be, it's a nice thought from David Ortiz and it's not a bad point. But I just don't think they're going to be viewed as irreplaceable players because they're not going to get that money here. They're not. I mean, they're just, it just doesn't make sense. Just doing that doesn't make sense. Like Anthony Rendon to the Angels, like the guy fell off the the Earth. I've never, even, I haven't heard of him since that World Series with the Nationals. Like they don't win. They they've got three really good players, two are all time greats. They don't win anything. I agree with High and Bloom. It's maddening. I don't agree with everything, but with that, I agree with him. Um. All right. So I had this thought with the Patriots. Um, and I don't know, I can't shake it and it's really bothering me and I don't know why it's bothering me so much, but it just feels like there's a lack of, I don't know. I just, I'm not as jazzed up to talk Patriots like I usually am. And I don't know why that is. Like it just, something feels like it's missing. Something's not right. Now, I I don't know if it's just because subconsciously I know they're not going to be a Super Bowl-type team because you'd think there'd be reason for intrigue. You know, in the past, when Tom Brady was here, we knew that they were probably as good as the AFC Championship game at the least. So you can make the argument that that wasn't, you know, exciting because we knew where they were going to go at the least. Now we don't really know what they're going to do or where they're going to be or where they're going to go because of all the questions. You know, it just, it feels like something's missing. Mac Jones is a really good quarterback and a really good prospect, and I'm excited to see what he does in year two. I am. So why am I not as excited when I think about the training camp that's looming? What's my problem? Is it because I feel like I know that they're going to be either 8-9 and nine or 9-8? Nine and eight? Is it because of the way the season ended and their inability to force one punt against Buffalo? And and adding to that, Josh Allen got more help. The Bills, they're going to be back. They got all their guys back, and Allen will probably be at his best again and that this is their division to lose. I mean, is that why? I just don't know why there's not more there. Is it Bill Belichick? Am I down on Bill Belichick? You know, do I think that, you know, it's kind of run its course and this team will never win the way it did with Bill Belichick. I'm just trying to figure out why I don't feel like there's as much buzz to the Patriots this year. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be able to do. I think if I had to guess, I think it's a combination of Bill Belichick and some of the conservative moves that he has made and has, you know, has become known for and, I, th- I also think it's the way that it ended last year. They were so far off defensively. It really makes it hard for me to think that they're gonna explode this year. It just does. Let's talk to uh, let's talk to Mike in Maine, who is excited about the Pat season. Mike, how are you?
2: I, I, I'm definitely doing pretty well. I think I, I think I understand maybe what you're talking about. I'm pretty excited about the season myself. Um, I, and I think that the not jazzed up portion, um, there's a lot of blame to go around on both sides. The first side being obviously uh, the station itself, uh, having some hosts on there who just basically don't want to give them any credit at all or only a little bit of credit. But I think on the Patriots' side, I think what people are waiting for, and maybe even me included, is that Kembrel Tompkins moment, that 14 seconds, got to have a touchdown, you know, type of moment. What are, and gonna so had a lot of those moments during the day. What, what, are, you, the what are
3: you most so. looking forward to, Mike, if you're excited? Give me one specific thing you're excited to see unfold this fall.
2: I have I, said it before and I'll say it again, and a lot of people just think that I'm a crazy uncle about this, but whatever. (laughs) I think Devontae Devontae Parker is going to be a mini-me of Randy Moss, and the reason why I say that is because Randy Moss was – hold on. Hold on. I know. I know. I know. Randy Moss is a Hall of Famer. But when the Patriots got him, he wasn't a Hall of Famer. People left him for dead on the Raiders, all right? And he had a resurgence, and the reason why he's a Hall of Famer is because – we traded for him and because he was working underneath Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, I, I think that Devontae Parker is going to be a mini version of that. I think he's going to have a resurgence. All right.
3: Thanks for the call, Mike. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going, I'm not mentioning Randy Moss's name in association with Devontae Parker, but I, that's fine. If Devontae Parker excites you, that's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm intrigued by Devontae Parker. I am. And I, I think the I think Mac Jones is going to take a step forward. Uh, and maybe this is just 20 years of being in contention for a Super Bowl, and I don't think they're going to be this year. So it's kind of like, oh, whatever. You know, until they can get back to that level. I mean, I'm excited for Mac. I would like to see Mac Jones play really well and sort of shut people up and announce his presence as the next top level AFC quarterback, a guy, you know, that you could put in association with Joe Burrow. A guy that could live in that in that house, you know. I don't know if that's going to happen. I do think he's going to be a good player. I don't know if he's going to be that good. Um, but I do think it's possible. It's just, I, you know, it's tough for me to get really jazzed up until I see more. I mean, is the defense going to be better? They had two of the biggest playmakers in the league for stretches last year when you factor in the first half of the season Matt Judon had and then J.C. Jackson. Two of the best in the league, and their defense was so pathetic at the end of the year, it made you spit. Like, why am I going to have all this confidence this year that it's going to be that much better? That they're going to perform better in December when it matters because they haven't recently. I think there's one X factor that could be huge this year, and it's going to be a huge story, and it could change the complete complexion of the Patriots' season and their future, depending on how it plays out. I'm going to tell you what that is next. This is the Brian Barrett Show on WEI.